This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Glad to be with you this morning. Coming up this hour, the Whole Foods in Englewood is closing in a matter of weeks, but a new grocer hasn't been selected yet for the location. We're going to hear from community leaders and residents. But first, we dig into the huge impact that COVID had on learning. Math and reading scores saw a dramatic drop across the country during the pandemic. That is according to the nation's report card, an assessment that's seen as the definitive measure of how students are performing in schools across the country. It was released this week, and it shows that math scores dropped in almost every state between 2019 and 2022, and reading scores fell nationwide. We wanted to hear what this means for one school district in our area, so we turned to Michael Lubelfeld, superintendent at North Shore School District 112. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Hi, Sasha. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time to have me. Sure. So as a superintendent, how do you respond to a report like this? Well, the good news is I respond to a report like this saying that I guarantee every superintendent colleague of mine around the United States has been focusing on academic and mental health uh, interruptions since the pandemic um, started and since it really impacted us in March of 2020. So this is not new news. Um, it's not welcome news. It also, though, Sasha, is not surprising news. Yeah. Well, you know, to that end, I wonder the feedback that you're getting from parents and from students since 2020. Well, um, the feedback from students and parents really around the impact of pandemic learning is a thank you for maximizing in-person instructional opportunities to the greatest degree possible. Um, we, we had our students in person part-time, albeit, but in person as early as August uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. The problem is when we had to pivot to all remote or when we chose to pivot to all remote, however, you know, however people look at that, that is when we started to see the dramatic gaps in mathematics specifically, but yeah. also in mental health and, and social emotional learning. Reading here has been a bit more stable, reading performance, but mathematics here, just like around the nation, has definitely taken a drop as a direct result of the in interruption to in-person schooling due to the pandemic. Yeah, Michael, I can relate to that firsthand. My, my children are in high school, and remote learning really seriously negatively impacted my ninth grader last year. Mm -hmm. At the time, she had to grasp algebra for the first time, and it essentially was teaching herself, right? And I did what I could as a parent to help. Sure. I opened up communication with her teacher. I tried to set up tutoring. But she still, in the end, you know, finished well below her usual top scores in math. I think that was the hardest part for me is that she's usually really good at math. Well, I think the one thing that's encouraging is she still is really good at math. And she and all of her peers are. What they need now is they need more time in class with our teachers. Our teachers are real super and they're real hardworking and they're extremely thoughtful. When we as a nation tried to scale up a complete and total transformation of how we deliver instruction from in-person to remote on scale, uh, what we saw is we've got incredible adaptability of the availability of trying to create those structures, mm -hmm. but we also saw a failure of results and of outcomes because we simply cannot um, transform, <laughs> really, how we deliver education mm -hmm. over a 150-year model overnight. And we were unable to scale up effective on-scale remote learning. Now, there were pockets of effective remote learning. There are 
places where remote learning is successful and some groups of students thrive during it. However, when we're looking at the overwhelming impact of it, you know, our entire preparation has been for in-person relationship building, socialization. Um, we don't do college-type lectures in the third grade, yeah. as an example. So let's dig more into to what teachers have been able to do, right? How have teaching methods and, and learning styles changed, would you say, since the start of the pandemic? Let's go beyond the, the test scores, but what are they okay. doing differently in the classroom? Well, I, I know here in District 112, our teachers have been heroic in really addressing what we call calm classroom, what we address the social, emotional, and doing everything in their power to engage learners in the process. And and I'm sure they're doing it all over Chicago Metro and all over the United States. I know Mm -hmm. for a fact they are. Teachers are taking the lessons we learned from having gaps in those relationship-building experiences online and on Zoom and on Teams and on Google Meet, And what they're doing is they're taking more time in the classroom to develop those relationships and establish routines and and norms. And they're also focusing on learning results. I I really think that teachers across the nation um, are focusing on results, not just in English language arts, reading and mathematics, but in every subject area. Yeah. The gaps especially pronounced for Black and Latino students, Michael. Why is that? And what can be done to help them just catch up to where they should be? I think a lot of it goes to collective efficacy and the belief of those of us in education that each child can learn. And I don't mean to oversimplify it, Sasha, at all, but the belief that the children in front of you can learn and the the belief that the teachers are going to have high rigor and high expectations for each child, whether a child is Black, African American, of Hispanic heritage, English learner, Asian, white, male or female, with disabilities, without. Part of it is we collectively as a system have to raise our belief system that all children and each child can learn, number one. Number two, I think what the pandemic experiences did is it shined a light on inequities that people like myself have known about for many years and have tried to fight against. But when the pandemic hit, and the economic impact of frontline workers, as an example here, and when the preponderance of folks who sadly died and, and, and dealt with really the ultimate trauma of the pandemic and others had to move about, and when we realized certain folks did not have high-speed broadband fiber optic internet at home, yes. the preponderance was it fell on the backs of the traditionally marginalized populations in our society. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about grade school kids, but what impact could we see in new graduates who are entering the workforce and following this you know, past couple of years of this unconventional learning? Well, number one, we're going to need to make sure that, that employers are equipped to help uh, remediate, sadly, some of the basic skills that were missed if necessary. Hopefully we in the education system can catch up. Um, but that's one major issue for the workers mm-hmm. and the, the management. There's another issue is the mental health, the socialization. And I don't think we as a society estimated properly the impact of children's socialization, young children and adolescents and the young adults in the high schools, of having personal connections with one another. And I, I can tell you, even in our workforce here, where we're noticing slight shortages, mm-hmm. um, We're also noticing the needs of our newer employees 
are somewhat different than the needs of the more veteran folks like myself in terms of greater need for connection, greater need for outreach, greater need for recognition, and checking in on morale, as an example. Yeah, the teacher shortage uh, that we've seen nationwide, that really, really played out here in Chicago, especially at Chicago Public Schools. I can speak for my kids as well. Um, it was so bad that just last week, Michael, a little more than half a dozen teachers were, were hired all at the same time, immediately started work. But what it meant was that kids got some of their classes just abruptly switched after two months, which kind of seems like setting them up to fall behind once again. And sadly, you're correct, because that relationship building is so important, and it's really a cornerstone of being able to to learn. I mean, we often say you've got a Maslow before Bloom in education, meaning we've got to go to the Abraham Maslow psychology of need and psychology of emotion and psychology of belonging before we can get to the Benjamin Bloom actual grasping of skills and concepts and ability to analyze that data. And if we simply look at, at the schools as knowledge dissemination plants were missing the boat because they're really socialization plants. Well, you know, leave us with this. What resources should parents know um, in order to help their child close that learning gap? Well, please reach out to your school's teacher. Your teacher is probably the best and most powerful and impactful resource. As district leaders, we've been using the COVID relief funds, and we've been using every resource available to get math interventionists or reading interventionists or resources parents can use. Please open up that that line of communication and talk to your teacher, talk to the school administrators, really advocate for your child, reach out to us. And we have to really reach out and advocate on behalf of your children and Mm -hmm. find out, are we pivoting properly? Are we intervening properly? And are we meeting their needs? Because it's a collective effort. We have to. We absolutely have to right now. Michael Lubelfeld, Superintendent at North Shore School District 112. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you, Sasha. Have a great day. Thanks for all you do.